to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we gather today. And I pay my respects to their elders, past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Inspired by Yarra. This is the podcast that's been created to enhance, connect and inspire the Yarra Valley Grammar community and beyond. So wherever you might be tuning in from today, I want to say thank you for being part of this community as we seek to connect and engage and share stories and adventures of life. My name's Paul Joy and I'm privileged and delighted to sit down with Yarra Old Grammarians, Yogs, to track their experiences of school, to share the stories, the adventures the lessons and the learning along the way, and then see where life has tracked since then. Today, I sit down with Cass Stutchbury from the class of 2010. Fascinating little conversation with Cass about her experiences, some of the challenges, and has a real wealth of compassion, thoughtfulness, and some strategies and tactics to help each one of us be the best version that we can. We're going to begin with the lightning round. So I'm going to start off our conversation today by asking Cass Stutchbury from the class of 2010, what house were you in when you were at Yarra? Uh, I was in Annals, I believe. Annals. And were Annals any good back in your day? We won every year. Oh, and what was your contribution to Annals? Um, I was a swimmer. I did the ah, swimming. Yeah. Okay, very good, very good. Tell me, uh, what was your first car? Um, my first car, I, I had a Nissan Pulsar, 2001 Nissan Pulsar. Yeah. Colour? <laughs> it was like pink almost. It was a bit of a bomb actually. <laughs> <laughs> You're not still driving it? No, no, I had to. It, it, it blew up at one point. <laughs> yes, it, it, it comes time when it is time. Mm. What year level did you start at Yarra? I'm year seven. Uh-huh. And early memories, was there a camp or an excursion or something you did early on that sticks in your mind from year seven? Good question. I do remember the year seven camp because that was at the, I don't remember what it's called anymore, the, the camp that Yarra had. Um, and that was just like, because, you know, you didn't really know anyone and it was just a big new thing to meet new people. Yeah. So would that have been Lake Glen Maggie? No. No. I think gosh. it burnt down, um, <laughs> in the bushfires. Gosh, I don't remember what it was called. There was no lake. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, well, we'll have to do some research and we'll pop it in the show notes, perhaps. <laughs> That's a fair while ago now. <laughs> was there, during your whole journey at Yarra, was there a particular musical or a performance or a presentation that either you were on stage delivering or maybe you were in the audience that, that stands out as something of, of a highlight? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I did all the, the school plays while I was there, but my favourite one was when we did Les Mis. Um, because it was just this huge production. Like we got these sets from an amateur theatre company um, and then all the costumes, everything were beautiful. And, yeah, we got like standing ovations and stuff. It was really cool. <laughs> I, I must confess that I I came to Yarra just 
just after Les Mis and early, very early on, I heard lots about it and Les Mis would be one of my favourite all-time musicals and I was very disappointed to have missed it. But I have heard a lot about it and, in fact, other guests, other yogs on this podcast have also mentioned their time in Les Mis and, uh, and the buzz that that was for them. So it's a popular one. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Tell me, Cass, what might we see in your lunchbox when you're a school kid at Yarra? We opened up your lunchbox. What are some go-tos? <laughs> Uh, that's a funny question given given my career now, but um, my mum used to make my lunch and she had a bit of a rotation. So she'd just always give you like a sandwich and two pieces of fruit and like some cheese and biscuits. It was the same thing every day. She only changed um, what was in the sandwich. <laughs> yeah, so it's good to have some go-tos and I'm very interested to, uh, to talk in a little bit about uh, what you are doing now and, and maybe see how that uh, relates back. Do you have a favourite quote or an inspirational message that, I don't know, maybe it's written on the inside of your journal or it's on the back of the toilet door or on the fridge? Is there a favourite message or quote that that you like to keep front of, front of mind? Um, I don't really have a quote necessarily, but I think one of the kind of principles that I, I try to follow is just always always keep improving. Um, like don't rest on your laurels kind of thing. Mm. It's, that's a, a good message, I think, to hold with you in the good times and the tough times that uh, we mm. want to keep moving, keep growing, keep heading forward. That's it. I think I already know the answer to this, but if you had a choice and you can't say neither, house athletics or house swimming? <laughs> Always swimming. I was not very, not a very good runner. <laughs> and with swimming, was there a pet event? Was there a particular strength of yours? Oh yeah, I was. I was the champ at the fifty meter butterfly. <laughs> fifty butterfly, because even in mm. your day, not everybody can do butterfly. No, I think that's why I was kind of good at it because no one else wanted to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you didn't have to. Um, uh, oh, I was going to say audition. You didn't have to try out for that. Um, position in annals, they always gave it to you. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That's good. That's good. Tell me, when we do get to, uh, one day we'll be able to travel far and wide again. Is there a favourite destination or a destination on your bucket list that you would want to go to or that you would recommend? Um, Yeah, so my partner and I, we went to Japan last year and we loved it. That's definitely something that we've been planning to go back again um, because the culture is just so interesting over there Um, and just all of the scenery and the kind of nature, but then like there's these crazy cities as well and the food, ah, it was beautiful. (laughs) Excellent. So let's say I was you invited me over for dinner and uh, you were cooking. What would be a go-to? What's your, what's your specialty meal that you might serve up a guest? Mm, I make a mean carbonara. Uh-huh. That's one of my favourites. Take me out of the equation. You can invite three people from any time in history, any era, anywhere around the world. Who are three people that you'd like to have come over for dinner? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, my favorite author is Jane Austen. I'd love to meet her. She, I just, she just comes from such an interesting time, I think, and such an interesting like place in society. Um, and then I read Michelle Obama's autobiography recently, and that was so fascinating. Like, I'd just love to meet her. And then maybe, um, so growing up, I did a lot of dancing, like especially ballet. 
And one of the dancers that I'd really love to meet is Misty Copeland. I don't know if you've heard of her. She's like a principal dancer at um, the, I think it's the American Ballet Theatre, but she's just wonderful and she has um, such like an inspirational message that she puts out there for young people and everything. So, yeah, it's probably my top three. Are your dancing days behind you? Um, my, my dancing at a high level days <laughs> behind me, but I do like to get um, into kind of amateur dance classes and just have a bit of fun. Yes, yes. So a principal dancer, whether it be US-based or European or how old would a principal dancer be and what, what are the rigours that they must be putting their body through to stay at the top of their craft? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's more than a full-time job. Um, most principal dancers, I think, so you have to – you join the company basically when you're 18 and then it, it depends how good you are, but most people will probably become principal within the next, like, I'd say eight, eight years or something. Um, and then it's just, you know, every day, strength, conditioning, stretching – um, taking care of yourself, the right nutrition, all that, all that stuff, so so important. Yeah, yeah, but they get to do what they love because to be able to be that committed, you you must love it. You hope you hope that they love it and get to perform, and and but also so much of it happens behind the scenes, doesn't it? In terms of the hard work, the dedication, the discipline, the flexibility, the stretching, the strength, and all of that. But wouldn't be a bad job if you could. Maybe. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think. Like I said, I did a lot of the musicals um, at school and that feeling of being on stage, it's pretty addictive. For sure. So you started year seven. Mm-hmm. How how long did it take before you became involved in, was it in through the music school or through, through drama or through choirs? How did you get on stage? Um, yeah, so my older brother went through Yara as well. So I kind of already knew what there was to join. Um, and I had been playing the clarinet in, in primary school as well. So I started, I think in the music school, um, just joined the like middle school band and stuff. Um, and then my first school musical would have been, I think in year, year eight. So that was the music man. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. Very good. And and by the sounds of it, dance has been part of your experience, and that's also a performance based, sometimes critiqued and judged, um, and and music and and performance is part of your experience. We're going to come back to school in a moment, but how does the confidence that you may have developed through performing to a live audience, how has that helped you or stabilized you in some challenging situations maybe in your professional life maybe in your university career that ability to stand in front of an audience and you know almost puff out your chest and and deliver your best yeah I mean I definitely don't have trouble um, with public speaking I think like a lot of people do because you know growing up you just in front of the stage lights and, and that makes it easy. And I suppose, you know, if you start, um, cause with my dancing and, and the music, I did exams starting pretty young as well. So you're kind of used to that format of, of being tested and, and all that sort of stuff. So that does make it easier when you get further into your life, um, in kind of those high pressure situations, I think. Yes. As you went through school, <clears throat> there would have been probably some social groups that you connected with. Who were your people? Who was your tribe? Where did you kind of hang out? 
Yeah, no, I was definitely um, one of the music kids <laughs> in the music school. Um, you know, if you join everything, then a lot of your lunch times and after schools and before school time is is really busy, and um, I loved that. I almost was probably too busy, <laughs> if anything. And as you go through into senior school, you get more opportunity to to channel your own pathway and choose your own subjects where would we find you by the sounds of it music was probably part of your um, senior years what else was you know were you math science were you in the English and humanities was it arts performing arts where what subject base foundation did you lay for yourself yeah I mean (laughs) I should say I, I I love music and I love the arts but I'm not probably what you would call gifted in those areas. Um, So when I hit uh, VCE, that's when I went for more of the maths and science subjects because those are the things that I was um, better at and and kind of found more interesting. And where did that lead to after year 12? So by the sounds of it, some maths and science in year 12. Did did you, you don't have to tell us about numbers, but did you do as well as you wanted to do? And where did that lead to? Yeah, I mean, it, I was probably one of those kids that didn't really 100% know what I wanted to do. Um, so I was trying to, with my subjects, kind of cover all bases um, and get a good score and everything. And I did get a good score. Um, and I guess that the things that I knew about myself was that I wanted to have a career where I help people and I really enjoyed maths and science. So in that sense, I think healthcare was the way to go. Okay, so that leads towards something in in healthcare, physio, nursing, uh, doctor, pharmacy. So what what course did you have a go at? Yeah, so I I did a Bachelor of Nutrition and Dietetics. So that's, you graduate as a, well, a nutritionist slash dietitian. All right. So with that background and that understanding of your interest and Presumably, are you working in that field now? Yes. Let me take you back to the CAF. What was a go-to at the CAF? <laughs> oh, I didn't have any CAF money. I had my uh, mum's packed lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and and you probably even back then might have known better. Yeah, well, my mum has always been really healthy. Like her mum had diabetes, so my mum was always really good with the nutrition. And obviously with doing so much of the, the dancing and the swimming and all that sort of stuff, you, you did kind of need to be careful about what you were eating so that you had the right level of energy. Um, but, yeah, when I was in high school, I didn't have a very varied diet. It was very like the same stuff all the time. I'm, my friends used to make fun of me for it. So, um, yeah, times have changed. <laughs> In terms of your exploring of new foods or in terms of your keeping systems? Because I know some elite performers, they they do thrive on keeping things the same. They have the same breakfast, the same lunch, the same training workout, the same rhythm, the same routine. And it's actually in that same, same, same that they become habits. And as long as you create the good habits, then that's going to serve you well to perform at your peak. So in your experience, are you saying that life is more varied now or or just your lunch? (laughs) I think um, what I mean by that is just that I'm a bit more adventurous with those sorts of things. You're absolutely right. And I think that that's a super important part of nutrition and keeping yourself healthy is is building habits into your life. That's something I work with my clients a lot. 
um, is making sure that if you make a change, it's something that you can really stick with. Because a lot of people have this big idea about nutrition where they're like, I'm going to go on this diet, I'm going to change everything, but it's not something that's sustainable. So yeah, like you said, you've got to build those habits that you can stick to. So I've got a couple of packets of Mars bars and I've got some um, chocolate biscuits in my pantry and I've got uh, a couple of tubs of ice cream because I really love ice cream and, and there's some jam donuts in the freezer waiting for me to heat up. If I decide that this is probably not great for me. Are you going to guide me to say, go through and rip everything out and chuck it out or just try not to buy it again? Like, and use what I've got and then, like, how how do I, what are some early stages of building better habits? Yeah, I mean, it, it it's so individual. I think that's the thing that people think about dietitians is that you're going to go into our office and we're going to be like, all right, from today, you're never eating chocolate again. <laughs> people are a bit worried about us. Um, but you've got to take, you know, you've got to do what you can do. So if it's reasonable for you to clear out the pantry, um, clear out the fridge and the freezer and everything, and then start from scratch, then fine. But for most people, that's probably not going to work. So one of the things I often get people to start with is buy small things. So instead of buying big Mars bars, buy mini Mars bars. And even if you eat three mini Mars bars, at least you have had to think about it before each one. So it brings in that kind of mindfulness aspect of eating. Mm, Interesting. And you're quite right. I don't think my kids would be that keen on me ripping all of the good stuff out of the pantry in one go. Um, And uh, Yes, no, my wife too would probably struggle with that, as as would I, to be fair, to be fair. But I, I like what you mentioned about being more mindful and aware of what we're actually doing. Do you, do you recommend maybe, I don't know, keeping a journal, keeping a diary of, of what you're eating and maybe what you're exercising? Is that is that a useful tool perhaps as well? Absolutely. I mean, journaling has so many benefits other than just keeping track of what you're doing because of that mindful aspect. Um, I mean, obviously I I help people with making healthy food choices, but um, the current research is kind of pointing towards the fact that eating according to your hunger and fullness is going to be the most successful way of maintaining a healthy weight and, and feeding yourself the right amount every day. So quite often I work with my clients um, to do appetite journaling. So actually noting down and thinking about it before you eat, am I hungry? Like, why Mm. am I eating this? Because so often people just eat on routine or they might eat because they're stressed or bored or tired or whatever it is. Um, But if you're mostly eating according to your hunger, you will have better health outcomes. So would you say that you, in describing your own personality and your own character, are you a very disciplined person? Is that what helps you to because presumably if you're helping other people to um, eat better nutrition you're trying to practice that yourself does that come down to discipline and willpower or does it come down to habits or lifestyle or what's your secret (laughs) yeah I mean I people tell me that I'm fairly disciplined with the food and exercise but like I said, my, my philosophy is always keep working on it. And I always see the, the little things that I want to improve rather than um, maybe where I'm at at the moment. But I think the habits are really important. And then it, it's also really important to know what's motivating you, um, which in, in my field, it's kind of easy to be motivated because you often see people who have maybe 
um, osteoporosis, like brittle bones from not eating enough calcium or diabetes from um, eating too much of, of carbohydrates or, or for the weight going up or heart disease because they haven't eaten the right foods. And so it's pretty easy to be on top of like this. My health is actually really important to me. And so there's a reason for making those choices. Mm. And no offence intended, but you walking through your office are some examples of what can happen if it goes wrong. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, so I, I have at the moment two jobs. One of them is in a sports clinic where I mostly see just people in the general community, maybe with diabetes or high cholesterol or something. And then my other job that I do three days a week is in a weight loss surgery clinic. So for those people um, to qualify for weight loss surgery, you need to have a BMI of 40. And to put that into context, a normal BMI is somewhere around kind of 20, 25. So if you currently weigh double your current weight that's what you're looking at for for requiring this kind of surgery and that can just happen from from lifestyle choices but it can be genetics it can be um you know from medications from mental health from um health conditions like thyroid problems so yes there's definitely choices that play into it but a lot of it is stuff that's out of out of your control as well Mm. were there things that you were exposed to, heard about, learnt about, studied at school that have influenced the choices that you've made in terms of career? That's a good question. Um, Definitely, I mean, I had a a lot of good teachers, especially my science teachers were super engaging and I think they made me want to pursue a career that did involve science which what I do now is a lot of science like digestion is basically just a chemical reaction um in in you know in in a human body which is kind of a biological place um so yeah definitely I think there was some teachers there who were really inspirational who made me want to go down that route um yeah Fantastic. Is there a piece of work that you are really, really proud of, whether it was because of the result that you got or because of the effort that you put in or because of the um, the number of times that you went back to it and tried again, got some feedback, had another go at it? It might have been um, an exam that you did. Is there a particular moment that you go, yeah, that's right. I remember when in you know year 10, it was this subject, it was term three, and this is, I mean, I don't know, maybe you don't have that, that kind of vivid memory, but is there a piece of work that you're proud of? It's a good question. It was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, there's nothing that really stands out to me. <laughs> Sorry. Sure. What about a what about a place at Yarra? Was there a particular place that's memorable? Whether it be it might have been on the stage or backstage or in the wings. It might have been out on the sports field or in the pool. Um, is there a, a a location, a physical location somewhere at the school that has strong memories. Yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely the the PAC has a lot of lot of memories because I think that's probably the place where you do the most interesting things, like whether it's a performance or um, that's where we used to, I don't know if you still do this, but that's where we used to have drama classes, which are always very interesting. Um, and often, you know, if you do music or, or, or drama or the performing arts, you're there after school and it's a, a time that you spend with your friends um, just being silly and, and bonding and everything. So, yeah, I think that's a really important place to me. And, and speaking of friends and, and connections, what, 
What is your connection or association with Yarra now in terms of maybe people you still catch up with? Have you been back to visit? Have you seen the place for a while? What's your connection with Yarra today? Yeah, I mean, I definitely still catch up with a lot of my Yarra classmates, I suppose. I have been back, but it's it's so different. Like when I was there, there was no pavilion. There was no... Um, then there's, I think you've got a new science block now. There was none of that. They had just built the year seven center. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Yes, a lot has changed. You're quite right. It really has changed a lot. Oh, there was no, there was no pool. You, got, you guys have a big pool down the back now, I think. There's a pool down the back now, yes. And, uh, mm-hmm. continuing to develop and grow and, uh, and, you know, modernize and update and, Early this year, 2021, uh, we're going to open a new building. It's a, a new fine arts building, and uh, and that's an impressive building as well. And uh, I, I think we've always admired and appreciated the work that comes out of that area and uh, and some spectacular um, creative work. And, and now to have a space where I, I think it's just going to blossom even more, which is really, really exciting. Um, I, I wonder if you can reflect on challenge, the notion of not always succeeding. And in your dance career and in your, um, I guess, that the striving to be fit and healthy, there are times when you muck it up. There are times when you trip and fall and stumble or you don't get the grades that you want. Just reflect for us for a moment on the notion of challenge or, or dare I say, failure, and how do you respond to that? Yeah, I mean... I think to, to, to give an example, the thing that's probably been hardest for me since I um, left Yarra was when I graduated. So I went to uni for four years straight out of high school um, and that doesn't give you a lot of room for life experience. So when I graduated, I went looking for a job and I found it really difficult. I didn't have a lot of um, – I had been working – I think like once a week in a medical clinic, but I didn't have a lot of work experience. I didn't have a lot of experience writing resumes and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, the job hunt was, was really challenging. And I think the thing that got me through that was just number one, having a good support system. Like I had my family and my friends who really helped me through, but also just persistence. Like I was so sure that I wanted to be a dietitian. And so it just took um, not letting it get me down and keeping on, like I said, keeping on improving, building those resume skills, you know, doing courses that I needed to do, volunteering, um, and just really persisting with it. Mm. So, yeah, it was a challenging time. But I think often when I meet graduate dietitians and they talk about finding a job and how difficult it is, I say to them, you know, it took me like almost 12 months. So if I can do it, anyone can do it. It's possible. <laughs> and there's no doubt that persistence is part of that. Just keep showing up, keep trying to put your best out and, uh, and and continuing to learn and grow so that you become more and more valuable to somebody somewhere down the track. Uh, and and I, th- I think you're quite right. I think that's really important to um, keep trying to grow. And and on that, is there a, a documentary or a book or a film that you would recommend? It might be just for pure entertainment or it might be for learning or expanding your mind or... Um, mindfulness or resilience or is there a a go-to that you you think maybe you'd even say must read for teenagers or must read for those in their 20s etc that's a good question I mean I think um 
in the context of, of my work, there's a really good book that's called Eat What You Love, Love What You Eat. And I think it's a really good summary of just how to eat in a way that is going to nourish your body, but also respect it. Um, mm. So often I think people, especially teenagers, when you hit kind of that maybe 14, 15, you start to feel the, the social pressures of changing your body shape and, um, you know, people have trouble with body image and all that sort of stuff. And this is kind of a really good summary of like how to just respect the body that you have and feed it well and give yourself enough nutrition to have the energy and the concentration that you need. Yeah, it's a good read. And and do those things really matter in terms of, maybe exercise and and nutrition and what you're eating in terms of being a student let's say we're 15 16 18 year olds sleep does that matter does that help what are some what are some tips and now some of our audience are parents and they've got um kids who might be here at yarra others others uh, are current students and there are others who are kind of just trying to work out where they fit and they're recent um old grammarians what are some things that we could do around our health and well-being to help us perform at our peak? And let's let's think about from a school context initially. What can you do to be at your optimal? Yeah, I mean, I can't talk enough about the benefits of sleep. I mean, you need there was a really interesting book that came out lately called Why We Sleep. And the the summary of that basically is you need to be in bed for eight and a half hours every night. And for people who think, yep, yeah, you don't have to be asleep for eight and a half hours, but you need to be in bed for that long. And for people who think they're getting away with less sleep, you're not, (laughs) essentially. It's, um, you're not operating at your full capacity. Um, So sleep is so important. And in the context of my work, uh, not enough sleep impacts your metabolism as well. So it can, you know, if you don't sleep enough, cause weight gain, which I see a lot of shift workers for that reason because the sleep quality is just not there. Um, I definitely believe in eating regular meals. <clears throat> a lot of people skip breakfast, but if you don't have food in your system, it's actually more difficult to concentrate because blood sugar helps with concentration. So I know people bang on about breakfast, but it's not its not a lie. Like breakfast is, is helpful and important. Um, and then hydration. Yeah, there's a lot of people who just don't drink water. So it's good to be on top of your, your two liters a day and that can help you um, if you're someone who gets a lot of food cravings, sometimes it can be from dehydration, like just keeping on top of it. Um, those are probably the, the big ones, like eat regular meals, sleep enough, drink enough water. It's not rocket science. <laughs> no, it's not, but but it's helpful to hear them and hear them from somebody who is relatable and personable, like we feel like we know you and, and in fact we do, but but you walk these corridors, you wore this uniform, you're a yog for goodness sake. And so there's something that connects most of the audience to you because you've walked in the shoes that we're currently walking in. And and yet it's also your your background, your experience, your profession reminds you and with expertise and background and and a working knowledge that let's just keep it simple put put the good stuff in drink lots of water and do your best to get a good night's sleep every night it's pretty simple yeah (laughs) eat vegetables vegetables okay so that's your hot tip so put away the mars bar pull out a carrot people don't eat enough vegetables there's actually only seven percent of australians eat enough fruit and veg huh 
All right, tell That's me if, if I'm if I'm not sleeping very well, what are some things I can do to, um, what do you call it, sleep hygiene? What what's something that I can do to help? Yeah, I mean, I'm like I'm not an expert on sleep. Definitely, probably talking to your doctor is a good place to start. But it's the things like making sure your room is dark and cold and quiet. Um, turn your screens off two hours before bed. All that stuff. Two hours. Mm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We, I, I'm learning lots here too. Sadly, I, I, look, I, I have no problem sleeping. Um, I, there are people who are part of my life who do have trouble sleeping, and um, I've tried to encourage that phone thing, the screen thing. Um, I've never gone as far as two hours, but I might try that. Mm-hmm. And then if I suggest two hours, and I was speaking to Cass Stutchbury from the class of 2010, <laughs> she's a trained, authorized expert on these things. <laughs> But two hours, that's, that's mm. well, it, it can only help, can't it? I mean, it, yeah, it can't hurt. I think something else, like on, on a more personal note, is um, I've had problems in the past with anxiety interrupting sleep. So, you know, get that un- under control, basically. <laughs> Talk to your doctor about it. If you're up at night and you can't stop thinking, you probably have anxiety. <laughs> so, mm. you know, there are you. Um, I'm lucky that I can just talk to a therapist and that's enough for me. But some people need medications and, you know, whatever makes you feel good. Yes, yeah. Something else that makes <clears throat> me feel good and I find it difficult to put words around it and that's why I ask this question a lot. And that is the notion of the Yarra spirit. When I started more than 10 years ago at Yarra, which is around about the time when you were about to leave, there was this idea of the Yarra spirit. And I, I wonder if you can put some words, can you put your finger on, what does it mean? What does it represent? What does it look and feel like? Because there are people who come to, to, to Yarra who have visited other schools, they've been around, and they, there's something about it, there's something about Yarra that makes it special. In your experience, what do you think the Yarra spirit is all about? I mean, I think something that um, I thought was really valuable about my time at Yarra was it, it felt that Yarra cared about me and my well-being personally. Um, you can probably tell from my story that I was not a very cool kid, <laughs> what with the maths and science and the playing the clarinet, um, but I never felt, you know, I always had plenty of friends. I never felt... Um, alienated or isolated or anything like that Um, and it was little things like uh, there was the you could go and talk to the school counselor if you were stressed out Um, people would check in on you if you you know something had happened if there there were things wrong remember in year 12 we had like a pajama day (laughs) just little things like that that um, it's that if anything I would say it's a spirit of just caring about each other fantastic and I I think that's as a as a paragraph as an audio clip that's a beautiful thing to share with potential families who who are considering a a yarra education for for their kids um i think that that's something that we should stand by that notion of we're a place who care a, a, a group of people who's going to care for you and i think that's really important and really powerful and i appreciate that in your experience that's true that's what happened and uh I think that's terrific. Cassie, if things go really well for you for the next, let's say, three years on planet U, <laughs> what's happening? What's going on three years down the track if all goes to plan? 
That's a good question. Um, something that I'm, I'm looking into at the moment. So uh, like I said, I work with a weight loss surgery clinic um, and I've recently taken over their kind of social media um, and managing some of the marketing for them. And I think that's an area that I want to look into growing in. Um, that and we're looking to buy a house, <laughs> more personally. And who's we? Oh, I, I live with my partner, Sam. Sam. Now, Sam is a also a yog. Yes, he is. Yeah, he was a C4D student. Uh-huh. Very good. So can you tell us a little bit more in terms of year level? Because, you know, you were the class of 2010, so there'll be a whole lot of people who will look up 2010 and go, oh, yeah, I remember her, I remember her. Sam, was he the same year level or? He was, yeah. Yep. Very Sam good. Berryman's his name. Yep. <laughs> Excellent. Shout out to Sam as well and all of his crew and friends and uh, connections <laughs> as well. Good on you, Sam. Well, all the very best as you uh, embark on the future and uh, and some big purchases by the sounds of it that, uh, that are challenging but exciting at the same time. Mm, absolutely. Cass, you've been really generous with your time and I, I really appreciate your very calm, considered very appropriate responses and uh, and I've appreciated your storytelling and your enjoyment of the whole process. Just a couple more questions if I can. Um, I want to offer a phrase to you and it might be one that resonates, it might be one that, that you recognise and I'm curious to know what it means and then what does it mean? And the phrase is lavavi oculus. Yep. <laughs> do you recall what it I means? I do. <laughs> Back in my day, we still, I don't know if you guys still sing the school song. We, unfortunately, we don't. And every now and then I talk to, to people who have who've been, I, I don't mean this in a, in a terrible way, who have long gone and they, mm-hmm. they always talk about the school song. Such and, a good song. Oh, I don't know why you guys got rid of it. Why don't we bring Fruitful it back? Fruitful lives we learn to live. <laughs> it's great. So, um, anyway, yeah, oculus. so it means we lift up our eyes. Excellent. <laughs> and and so that's that's literally what it means. What does mm. it actually mean? To me, it's a good question. I've never really thought about it. Um, I mean, if if I was to take that phrase and put meaning in it into my life, it would probably be about being present. Because, you know, in today's society, we're so often literally eyes down on phones and screens and even working um but you know to kind of lift up your eyes and engage with people and um, be part of the community I think is how I would put it into my life (laughs) that's perfect I I, I love that and I, I do think that that's that's part of the aspiration behind a phrase like that is that we we need to look beyond ourselves we need to be outward looking and, and looking to see what's possible and, and what's ahead and what, what is the adventure that's calling us forward. Uh, I think that that's all part of it. Um, what's the best advice you've been given and you might pass that on, whether that's to you as a student, to you as a young woman, to you as a professional, to you as a uni student, to you as a performer, some advice that you might pass on? Hmm... That's a good question. Uh, this is something that um, a friend of Sam's told him, and it, it kind of ties into, like I said, I do have some trouble with um, feeling overly stressed, and it's that um, people don't 
think about you very much. So if you do something that's a bit awkward, a bit uncomfortable, something that you don't really feel proud of, people probably won't remember. <laughs> so you don't have to stress about it. I like that. I like that. Yeah, it, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because a lot of the time we think we are the center of the universe mm. and it's quite humbling to realize actually to most people we're probably not that important. Yeah, yep. And I think that helps you to just kind of live life without worrying so much. Yes, yes. How would you say that your experience at Yarra and the people that you associated with, your, your friends and family has an influence and the activities that you get involved in, how has that shaped your character? Who are you today because of your growing up and, and Yarra being part of that experience? Mm, that's a good question. Um, <clears throat> I think, yeah, what I kind of took away from high school mostly is is just the value of, of being part of a community and a group I think especially once you leave university um you you notice that people don't always automatically stay in touch with you um so you need to kind of go out of your way to uh stay connected with people but having that experience of being so much part of the community at Yarra, it just gives you that feeling of, you know, how good it is. Like, you know what there could be if you, if you really reach out to people and, and make sure you stay in touch, make sure you organize stuff. Um, so I think that's the kind of person that I've become is someone who, you know, actively tries to stay connected with people because I know that connection is so nice. <laughs> yeah, I like that. And, and just for my own benefit, and it's a little bit of a, just some study I'm doing, you know, nothing official, just off the cuff. But how do people stay in touch nowadays? I'm personally an advocate for a handwritten note or a card, even a postcard. Mm -hmm. I, I traditional, stick it in an envelope, put a stamp on it, put the address on the front, post it. Uh, I'm big on that and, I, and I'm trying to encourage more and more people to be part of that, um, I, I guess, a catalyst for doing that more so than a text message um, even an email these days feels a bit impersonal from your experience what are some good ways to stay connected to stay in touch yeah I mean I'm a big fan of the face-to-face -face stuff so um, at the moment we live in Hawthorne East it's got great brunch culture <laughs> so we love a good brunch um, but you know in the past year obviously that hasn't always been possible so I've mostly been doing like video chats and, and Zooms and stuff. And um, especially I find with my clients as well, it, being able to read people's um, body language and facial expressions, it helps you to understand them a lot better. So that's why I prefer the seeing people. <laughs> very good. Very good. Cass, I appreciate your time and your perspective. And as I mentioned before, your considered approach to, uh, to this conversation. And I really appreciate it. As we close, is there a this this podcast is called the Inspired by Yarra podcast, and I wonder if I know you've mentioned some of your science teachers were influential to uh, to help you see that the beauty and the, the the richness of of that world. But I wonder if you can reflect on a, a time, a moment, a person, an experience for you at Yarra that you would look back on and say. Yeah, that was inspirational, that was powerful, that was wonderful, that was influential on my life. 
Yeah, I mean, I know we've already kind of touched on um, Les Mis, but that's probably one of the things that stands out to me the most. Um, I think that was a musical that had such a great ensemble um, as a performance and being on that stage with that sound coming out, it was just like a really magical moment for me. I actually just thought of another story if you want to hear it. (laughs) Go for it. Go for it. So with my – I wasn't always a champion butterflyer. Um, When I was in, I think, year seven and year eight, I actually in the um, house swimming came second um, and I lost to the girl from Arnett, I think. (laughs) Curse her. Um, And so then um, the next year I – joined the swim squad and I started like doing the like really early morning training and all that stuff. Um, and I ended up winning and it was just like such a proud moment, especially because I had had the same sports teacher for the, for the, the first two years. Um, and yeah, like I said, athletics weren't really my forte. I was more of a swimmer. Um, and in the sports classes, he'd always been really like, oh, look at this girl. She can't she can't do sport. Um, and he was at the end of the, the – he was at the finish line when I pulled up and I won the butterfly. And he was so proud of me. Yes. It was such a good moment. That's great. I love that story. That's a, a wonderful way for us to finish on a high because <laughs> it, it reminds us again of – the value of doing the work, putting it in and getting in there, doing the laps, do it, because you can then uh, reach for higher levels and, and success. And I think that's a, a terrific way to finish. Cass Stutchbury from the class of 2010, thank you for your time, for your energy, for your consideration. Thank you for not only being inspired by Yarra, but being an inspiration and an, in, an assistance with your practical tips and advice and guidance that you've shared with us today. So we say thank you and all the best in the challenges and the adventures that lay ahead. And yeah, no worries, same to you. Well, there you have it. Didn't I tell you there were going to be some tips, some strategies, some suggestions and recommendations in there as Cass unpacked for us some simple suggestions and tools and habits and ideas for how we can be the best version of ourselves. Hope you found that interesting and insightful along the way. Thank you for being part of this community, part of the wider Yarra Old Grammarian Network. And some of you listening are current students, some are family members of students who are past or present, or maybe even soon to be. Welcome into this wider Yarra family. I hope you'll join us next episode where again I get the chance to sit down with another Yog, a Yarra Old Grammarian, and explore with them some of the stories and adventures, challenges and inspirations that have been part of their journey. My name's Paul Joy and on behalf of everyone here at Yarra, and in particular the small team who put these episodes together, these short stories, these opportunities for you to tune in and connect. On their behalf also, I want to wish you another day of inspiration where you go out there into whatever challenge and adventure and experience you have today. You step into that with a positive mindset to make an impact in all of the positive ways on the world around you.